Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Comic Chronicle Podcast. I'm your guys' host, Dakota Morgan, coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. Today on the show, we are continuing the hype and the love for Primitive War with the new comic book series coming out on Indiegogo. Make sure you guys go pre-sign up now. I am talking with today Ethan Pettis, creator and writer of Primitive War. We talked to Baba Sue last week, one of the art, the artists on Primitive War and the new comic book series coming out. But we're talking to Ethan Pettis, the writer of the series, the book series, Dispatches, the comic, the creator. We talk a lot of stuff. We talk about riding dinosaurs, but of course we talk about the more in-depth that Primitive War is with mental health as well as taking on projects like Indiegogo and, you know, promoting where they want to see Primitive War go as a series. And, you know, if you guys are aspiring comic creators, there's a lot of shit in here that we talk about that can help you along your journey whether for an indie to be an indie comic creator whether you're an artist or a writer or maybe hell even an inker so take notes guys and girls out there they really do uh yeah it was a blast having ethan on make sure you guys subscribe so you catch new episodes usually every week depending if we can get guests on or not and also yeah, whatnot also other things too if i don't get covid again and of course i'm on twitter at dakota morgan 3 twitch at dakota underscore morgan 97 and or not uh, twitch coda rex 97 god it's been a long day and and then Instagram is at Dakota underscore Morgan 97. You guys all rock, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the show. Welcome still again, folks, to another episode in 2022. It's great to be back. And without me rambling on anymore, though, let's dive right into my talk with Ethan. Oh, please don't tell me it's not going to work. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be pissed. All right, yeah, we're good. All right, Ethan, good man, since we've been talking for a little bit already, but like, I'm a man of pleasantries. Welcome to the show. Howdy, howdy. This is the one for Dino Times and the Comic Chronicle podcast. But Ethan, my man, Ethan, we've been talking for a little bit. We've been talking shit for 15 minutes before we started recording. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't look at the time. I'm like, how long have we been talking? Uh, we were talking about some interesting stuff there. But Ethan, man, this is honestly, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Having you back on the show. Yeah, it's been a, it's been almost a year since I did an uh, interview of any kind. Is it really? Yeah, I've been, like, sequestering myself, hiding from the public. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've been doing the smart thing in the past fucking year. <laughs> it's really what you what you mean. Yeah, if anything from my books, you should know I'm scared of people. I'm terrified of people. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely... Fuck, yeah. I mean, you know, what is it? Uh, you know I work with animals, and uh, by the way, I want to get on a record before we go any further. Your care package, by the way, is going to be put together tomorrow. And it's going to be shipped out this week. So I wanted I wanted to save that till we got to the recording so you could at least go back and be like, bitch, where's it at? And we're like, blame the mailway because it's fucking slow. Oh, nah, God. That's exciting. Yeah, uh, people don't know. Uh, I'm getting Ethan a care package for uh, that's going to be some cro- uh, crocodilian stuff. There's going to be some uh, jerky, alligator jerky as well. So I don't you know, know if you like jerky or not. Uh, there's going to be some teeth and whatnot and other fun goodies from the sanctuary that I work at for wildlife, well, reptiles especially. But, yeah. You ever, you ever gone to New Orleans and eaten uh, alligator meat, like, on oh, Boy? No, but there was a food truck around here that did that. In Arizona. Oh, yeah, do it. I shit you not. There was a food truck who had Kool-Aid. I'm gonna, I want to do that, because I do want to visit New Orleans one day, but... I had there was a food truck who cooked a gator. It was fried gator and Kool-Aid, and they sold nothing else. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, in Phoenix? What the fuck? And yeah, the one is... question there is where did you get it from? That's the fucking question. And <laughs> what like... color is the Kool-Aid? Do they only serve red Kool-Aid? Because then that's another question right there. No, it was they had red, blue, and they had the fucking delicious purple Kool-Aid. Ooh, purple. 
Yeah, you ever had purple Kool Aid? <laughs> Who hasn't? That, yeah, right. Hey, that's a, I. There was people who didn't know that shit existed. What purple Kool Aid or snorting Kool Aid? <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, probably a little bit of both now. <laughs> oh God! Oh, I learned the lesson the hard way. Is um never fucking. I did it as a dare to impress a girl. In a in, in high school, believe it or not, you you remember Fun Dip? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I ate the the dip just raw. I just down. I opened. I didn't take anything else that was in the Fun Dip package, but I just ate. They're like, oh, I dare you to do this, and I ate the whole fucking thing. So, do you know what a thickener is? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, thickener for anybody that doesn't know, uh, it's what they pour. It's like a gelatin powder that they pour in any kind of liquid like fluids or drinks that uh elderly people that can't really control their throat muscles as well anymore so like they can drink without choking or asphyxiating and i went to uh cna school i actually used to be a certified nurse assistant <laughs> and oh, i didn't know that that's cool yeah most people don't know that it's uh being a CNA is a lot grosser than anything I've ever written. I'll say that much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I got one of my uh, classmates to try snorting a line of that thickener, that flavorless gelatin oh, powder. God. Immediately turned all of the snot in his head into sludge. <laughs> yeah, what do you think was going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, that, was oh. the that was the son of the county sheriff where I grew up, too. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He didn't know what he was doing. I was just like, "Yeah, snort this. It's coke. Don't worry about it." <laughs> the fact is, you you got him on that level. <laughs> That's how you got him. Oh yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, oh, he's not fuck. listening to this. It's okay. It's he fine. <laughs> he's not gonna know. His dad though, he listened. <laughs> there you go. Uh, fuck. I did the one, and it was. Uh, by the way, people who fucking if you never listened to the show before, you're probably like, "What the fuck." But let me tell you, this is a way uncensored show. Uh, I did the one where it was, uh, this was also another dare. I did it. I, I got to kiss the hottest girl at school. This was middle school. We crushed up a smarty. And then, like, you know, and we did it. And I sniffed it up and whatnot, too. And it got, let me choose my flavor. So I did grape because I like fucking grape. So they're like, yeah. The problem was a twister came in the town. And we had the, we were all, because this was back in Illinois. So uh, we were all escorted to the, the rooms and shit, like the uh, like windowless rooms and shit. It was me and a couple of my guy friends we were a couple, with a couple of our girls, our friends and stuff like that, too. And we were all put in the, with the girls in the girls' locker room. So we were, like, doing all this shit. And it was a whole thing where it was – and I was with my ex. And, like, we just did that. And, and it was crazy shit. This, this has an ending, trust me, that, that ties into the smarty. But we got detention because we were laughing and all this other shit when the Twister was coming into town and they gave us detention. They're like, you guys were supposed to be quiet. And we yelled back, uh, if we're going to die, we're going to die happy <laughs> because we're dying yeah. by a Twister. Fuck you. And so we did. <laughs> and so and we, this was eighth grade. And so we got detention. But then uh, needless to say, we, as soon as we hit the detention spot, we're all separated in our different chairs. The teachers are sitting there. This is the last day of eighth grade. Everyone's enjoying themselves and show at the party. But my nose starts running purple. I'm like, oh, no. And I'm like, my hand, like, I didn't know this. I'm like, this sniffling and shit. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I got a cold. I didn't know that. And then I, my buddy looks over. He throws a piece of paper at me. And the teacher looks up. She's like, not going to fuck up. And, he, and he's like, your nose. And the girl that we were to, my ex, she's like, 
oh my god because it was just all this purple just dripping down like oh god no my hands just, i put my hand over my mouth like oh god oh no uh teacher uh, I, i'm not feeling too well she's like you sit your ass down i'm like oh my god this was a terrible idea <laughs> Man, you reminded me, uh, I got coronavirus uh, earlier this year. You know how I cured it? Hmm. Hot toddies, you know, whiskey and lemon juice. Oh, that would fucking clear your mucus up. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that was that was literally all I did. I just stayed at home, drank hot toddies, read comics. <laughs> Dude, I had it, and I, I wish I could have done that. I was so fucking... I, I played so many games because I couldn't move out of bed. <laughs> I was like, I can't do it. I had so much fucking tea. Oh, God. See, you lived the manly life of doing it. <laughs> fucking hell. What yeah, did you... Oh, oh, I, oh. And this is this is uh, not for anybody to follow the advice of, but I didn't even no. stop smoking cigarettes or anything that entire time. I just kept going. Like, literally, it was just, I lost my taste of smell, and uh, I lost my sense of taste and smell, and I had, like, body pains and all that shit, and congestion, but that was it, just a week of that, and, you know, some good old Jefferson Reserve took it, took care of it right away. And that's how you cured it. You know, you know who you sound like was, is Michael Rooker. You remember what he did? No, he got COVID. Uh, I think it was 2020, and he hid. He didn't tell anybody until it was over with, and then he fucking hid in his trailer. He smoked and drank, <laughs> and he had a great. And he, like he's like, I did that. I just sat in there and I went through hell, but I just sat in my trailer. Like it was just like it wasn't like a movie trailer or anything like that. It was his camping trailer, and he just sat in there. He drank, he smoked, and he did a bunch of shit. Like and he watched TV. He played. I think he, I don't know. I think he played games, but he read a bunch, I believe. I he did all this sort of shit like that. And he's like, I came out. I'm feeling great. <laughs> Look at Michael Rooker, man. Yeah, you just gotta live like uh, you're in the thing, you know. Just get yeah. your flamethrower and hide out in the corner in the darkness and just get wasted. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not. I'm not suggesting any of your listeners follow my advice i'm not no <laughs> none of our advice on this if they listen long-time listeners are following my medical advice or your medical advice now i don't, I don't know live the, long. <laughs> no there's i i i, I don't want to call them stupid but the problem is is guys and girls out there whatever fucking you want to call it um you should know better <laughs> you should hardcore know better we talked about, I talked about dietary shit like that and how my diet just includes getting fat because it's the, it was the quarantine. And so I'm just like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Where am I going to go? Yeah, uh, we're, uh, we're living in crazy times, you know, but I feel like things are going to start shifting towards the better. It's just, you know, reaching a certain peak of insanity that the world has to get through in order to, you know, it's true. slide down the other way. It's really true. Um, I found reading books and then comics, of course, but then also playing, playing like not MMO games, but single player games like Fallout and shit like that. I found that to be just so relaxing. It's so yeah. relaxing because you just get to go in there and be like, listen, the our world's fucked up right now. Fallout world's fucked up right now. But in Fallout, I can do a lot sh more shit than I can in this world. And you know what? I'm going to escape into that world and we'll do some good. Man, or I haven't we'll played a video game in over a decade like not since 2011 maybe or 2012 really? like 
last game I played was Far Cry 2, and that was enough for me. I was like, all right, that was perfect. I'm done. That's it? <laughs> yeah, hey, what, but over you... over the past, like, year, two years of quarantine and shit, like, I've just focused on exercising and reading, writing, and uh, especially reading comics. Like, over the past two years, I've... Let's see, I've read every single issue of Grant Morrison and Scott Snyder's uh, series of the Batman, you know? Oh, hell. Read all of Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. I've read literally every printed volume of uh, John Constantine Hellblazer. Uh, I I literally could take a picture of all my comics covering the floor of my apartment. It's Dude. It takes up too much space. That that you have some I've said it before, but you have excellent taste, Ethan. Excellent. Oh, Transmetropolitan too. Oh, and preacher. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, preacher. Preacher's yeah, on. I haven't. Yet. I haven't seen the show, but the comic is amazing. Like that's the thing. I don't really care for like comic adaptations to film or television because I feel like you know you, you always think of like what comic can't be recreated and it'd be like. Watchmen like they made a movie of the Watchmen but like there's that issue in Watchmen I think it's called Fearful Symmetry where the entire issue you know starting from the center where the uh staples are put in like every page like mirrors the other so even if it's like page one is mirroring page 30 and then page two is mirroring page 29 so on so forth until you're all the way in the center of the issue like you can never recreate that experience or that work of art through a film. It just doesn't work that way because no. film isn't like a static or not. Well, yeah, it's not a static image. It's dynamic. It's constantly changing. You're looking at one panel that's always going to be switching and turning into something else. But with comics, like there's so much room to uh, tell a story in all these different ways, like Transmetropolitan, like I just mentioned, uh, the main character, uh, Spider Jerusalem, he's like uh, basically a futuristic version of Hunter S. Thompson. He's literally Hunter S. Thompson turned up to 11 and then dropped in the future. And so there's no like climatic battles or fights in Transmetropolitan. Like the climatic struggles are doled out through just his writing within the comic. So you're mm. reading through the comic, all the events of the story, but like the way that he fights his battles within it are purely through written, you know, prose because he's a journalist. So like, how does a journalist fight his battles other than through words? But seeing that done in the comic medium, and have it be so entertaining and so engaging and still have like the same peaks and valleys of drama that you would have in like film and television and shit. Like Mm. there's something magical, magical about comics that just can't be properly replicated. That's what me and Babasu are trying to do uh, with our adaptation of primitive war is we're trying to tell the story of primitive war in a way that couldn't be told through the novel or through television or through film. And a lot of that has to do with things like how do you handle flashbacks? How do you handle uh, post-traumatic stress disorder? How do you handle schizophrenia? How do you visualize these elements without, uh, you know, 
basically telling people how it is. Like you have to show them visually. Yeah. Yeah. But the reader is the one unpacking all this, and the reader is the one that's having to go through this journey. So like it's not as objective as uh television or film because you're not just staring at a screen being like, oh, this is what you know Logan is going through with his schizophrenia, or this is what Eli is going through with his alcoholism. Like it's up to me and Babasu, Babasu visually to show people in a way that makes more sense to them. Mm. And you've read the entire first issue of the comic. Yeah. So you've seen like how the flashback panels are done, how we have that kind of rougher uh, edges to the panel. So, you know, traditional panels like are going to be just, you know, squares or shapes against the black page. But with our flashback panels, we try to make, each panel look rough as if it was literally, you know, torn out from the uh, black background. And go on. Oh, I was going to say, I think that's because it's a story that's not going to be nice and clean. Mm -mm. I I, 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 100% know. (laughs) Like, it is not a story that's nice and clean. Like, it is not your standard story, I would say, in a a sense there, because it's you know and it, it, it and that's also the thing with it too like you were saying it is when you have like flashbacks if someone who suffers from a lot of this shit that i talk about it every now and then on things but it's someone who suffers from a lot of shit like it's one thing where it's it's not clean and crisp and shit like that like everything's all whacked and wonky when you have those sort of when you have like a flashback or anything like that too like it's not a clean cut piece of cake sort of shit it's not so to see that in the comic form come to life is i thought was a very beautiful thing too well see this is so in the first issue you only see like uh i think uh five maybe maybe five or six flashback panels yeah but you gotta think what are flashbacks like in real life what are flashbacks like for people that have ptsd what is it like to relive a moment in the present it's it's horrible as as an experience it's horrible yeah (laughs) so this is something that people that follow along with our comic will be able to see they'll be able to see beyond the first issue you know when we get into vulture squad and the dogs of war that serve the russians Mm. you'll be able to see more specifically how in the minds of people that have PTSD, like how these flashbacks are realized. It's not just, you know, you have a flashback panel showing a scene of a character in the past. It's like here you have a character in the present who is lost in the past. They're lost within their own flashback panels. Like the flashbacks are coming into the present. They're leaking into the present. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to give away too much for what, Babasu and I have planned for the series, but like we're both diehard comics fans. Like we've been reading comics our entire lives. I mean, I've been writing novels, but like I've always loved comics too. Yeah. Like I've been reading comics since I was a kid. <laughs> uh, and so what we're bringing to the table with this comic is we're not just trying to make a good adaptation of Primitive War, we're trying to make a, mas- a masterful comic, you know, something you would have seen from Vertigo in the 80s or 90s, something that the likes of Grant Morrison or Alan Moore or Garth Ennis could look at and appreciate for like what we're trying to do with the comic medium. And you don't see that a lot these days with comic creators. Like you just see kind of, here's a story, here's a premise, here's a 
characters. Here's them going through shit, and that's our comic. We're not trying to do that. We're trying to make a work of art, and thankfully, all of the feedback we've gotten so far from issue one has been overwhelmingly positive, but it's only a glimpse at what we're going to be trying to do with this comic series. Like As we go along, I think people will notice that we're doing something truly different and it's not just, you know, soldiers running away from dinosaurs. It's comics being used as a medium to express these deeper themes that permeated the Primitive War series of what is trauma, what is uh, mental illness, what is addiction, what is suffering, the past while in the present. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's the beautiful thing about we last time we had John, we talked about primitive war t- covers that sort of thing. And that's why I love it a lot too. And I think that's what makes the story different. You're absolutely right. It's what makes the story different because I think it's, it is weird. It is weird to just get the first issue too, because you're absolutely right in the sense that it is a glimpse. There is so much, more, you don't even meet vulture squad. <laughs> like, and, you know, in issue one, like it's, it's such a glimpse of what's to come. And I think that's why other fans like myself love the damn book is because, well, the first comic book issue, because we're like, it's done so well in just the very beginning of this. And it's what we wanted. And now, like, and this is just a glimpse. Like, wait, so we get the whole thing? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, a, a trade paperback of all this, too. I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, I'm going to cry, probably, because that's going to be a beautiful thing to have. The whole trade paperback, if that ever becomes a thing, it should uh, especially with fans backing up and stuff like that too I could see it in the future you know a whole trade paperback or even just having all the issues together I'd probably have them all together framed up on a wall but it's like just that little glimpse that we saw I think is probably why everybody loves it because like we never met Vulture's Garden never met the Dogs of War yet hell never saw anything of Andre yeah which by the way I cannot wait to see his character in real life because we've not I don't think you guys have put anything out there of what he looks like in the art form yet, but I think it's what captures it so well, and it's why people are in love with just issue one, like myself. Yeah, I mean, you'll be seeing Andre in issue two, and Babasu's already working on art for Andre, as well as uh, yes. the other Russian characters, the Dogs of War, and of course the rest of the Hyenas, the Black Ops team that works yeah. on Jericho's base. Another thing, too, is that we're going to be able to explore the actual story of Primitive War in a kind of unabridged sense where we're going to be able to expand upon the story that's already there. Mm. Like, we're not going to try to deviate too far from what's already written. And, I mean, you read the first issue, so you know that a lot of the uh, narration and dialogue is taken directly from the book. But... We're going to have the opportunity to kind of flush out the moments in between the chapters that people didn't get to see when the novel was originally published. So, I mean, like on the front cover, you get to see Kanen, uh, you know, the leader of the Viet Cong team in the valley, you know, finding Kendrick Anderson's dead body, oh. finding his dog tags. Yeah. And we're going to get to flush out scenes that people didn't actually experience in the book uh, in between the parts that were in the book. So this is going to be like a more full-fledged exploration of the story of Primitive War and the world of Primitive War. Another thing, too, 
is that the uh... sorry i got distracted momentarily <laughs> oh you're you're good i was like this guy just cut out oh shit <laughs> yeah so like uh with the novel just adapting primitive word to comic book form i mean you would have maybe 30 to 35 issues total just adapting what's written in the novel yeah and that alone 35 to 40 issues that's like an entire run of batman by one creator yeah and that's a year's run right there at probably two. Oh shoot more than that I oh mean, yeah 30 35 yeah. if you're doing if you're doing a monthly one then yeah definitely that that is a three-year thing then yeah i was yeah. thinking a, a monthly book but yeah monthly book yeah i mean and that's just for Primitive War 1. That's not including Dispatches 1, Dispatches 2, Primitive War 2, Dispatches 3, Dispatches 4, Primitive War 3. Yeah. I know I was supposed to publish uh, Dispatches 2 a lot sooner, but my focus has been kind of split in multiple directions. Oh, well, yeah, you got Dispatches... Primitive War 3, you got Dispatches 2, you got the comic right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the... Uh... All of Dispatches 2 is still sitting on my computer, and there's still things that I want to do to it. Mm. And I still intend on publishing it this year, but like right now, the main focus is the comic, uh, trying to get that out to the world and, you know, spread the uh, series' wings out, let it fly. Yeah, yeah which it, I think when that goes. So, how do you, with doing this many books and whatnot, too, though, especially because Indiegogo right now, which, by the way, people go sign up on it right now for Primitive War. The how do you how do we how's it going to go with that? Or if you can't say, you can't say. But we're doing issue one on Indiegogo and possibly other issues. How do you, is it going to be for every issue for Indiegogo, or is it going to be is this the beginning of something else? Well, essentially, this will be uh, every issue will be on Indiegogo up until we reach a point where we won't need to anymore. Like. Okay. Creating comics is expensive, especially when it's being done as a labor of love, not just as something that we're being commissioned to do by a company. Like, there's no publisher backing us up on this. We already spent uh, almost a year, you know, sending out our pitch issue to publishers all over the world in Europe and America. But uh, right now, the comics industry just isn't looking to tell stories like what we're telling. I think what we're telling and what we're showing is a little bit uh, too dark and a little bit too gray politically for them to mm-hmm. feel comfortable releasing it. If it were the 90s, we would have found somebody. I'd give you a name of a company. It's called Vertigo. They'd pick you up in a heartbeat. <laughs> you know it. You absolutely know that's true. Yeah, I mean, Vertigo or Image or Dark Horse even. Oh, Vertigo but... would fight through your ass so hard. You got to think, they're the ones who put out DMZ. They're going to pick up, they, they pick up, which, by the way, that is coming out to be an HBO show. It's going to be awesome. Um, yeah. Oh, another thing, too. Shout yeah. out to uh, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. One of oh, my favorite God, yeah. Comics. And I lent my friend Jason, the namesake of Xavier Wise, Jason Wise, mm. I lent him my entire collection of Swamp Thing, and... He's enjoying it so far. I know he's gotten up to the point of the psychedelic uh, yams, but, you know, I really want to reread it. Like, I've read all of my comics, like, two or three times each over the past year, two years. 
And unfortunately, it's like I'm running out of comics to enjoy <laughs> because yeah. I don't really like most of the comics that are coming out these days. And, you know, there's only so much I can mine from the past until I'm just another, you know, floppy collector being like, oh, I just got to get the issue one of this one and the issue one of this one and issue one of this one. Yeah. Or this I or have, the death of this character and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I have issue one of Preacher. Uh, oh, shit. But that's it. <laughs> that's my Fair. only like floppy collectible that I have. Everything else is trade paperbacks. Mine isn't and, even a number one floppy, dude. It's a fucking the first appearance of Parasite and Superman. <laughs> like, Wow. <laughs> that's my, yeah, that's the only big one I got. <laughs> you would think I had more, but. Hey, uh, this is a random question, but okay. what did you think of uh, Dark Knight's death metal and Dark Knight's metal? That's a question. <laughs> that you, know, is a... you know, Greg Capullo is both one of mine and one of Babistu's favorite artists. Like, that, we would love. He's to... beautiful, dude. We would love to talk to him, show him our work. We'd love to just, just, you know, him in general, like everything that he's made, all of his artwork is just impeccable. And he's a cool dude too. That also helps. Uh, oh yeah. Oh fuck yeah. Like a hundred percent. Oh, he'd be amazing to talk to. Uh, but I thought, honestly, I liked it. I thought it was different enough and I thought it was cool. And I liked the artwork and shit like that too. Um, the storyline wise was pretty good. It was pretty good. I I thought it was honestly. I liked the designs a lot. Like it, it wasn't one of my favorites that have come out recently. There's not a lot that happened, but on the stuff I liked more, I liked the death metal stuff because I thought it was really cool and different. And I like the fact. I know it's a cash grab thing, but like I know I like the designs and I like how they took the designs and are making them action figures and fucking statues now because they're actually really cool. Yeah, um, it it was kind of a mixed bag for me. Like, I enjoyed Dark Knight's Metal a lot more than Death Metal. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But man, like, I swear there are some pages of Death Metal and Dark Knight's Metal where, like, you could basically uh, do away with all the art, and it's just nothing but, like, dialogue exposition just endless words on pages like it may as well be like reading a script at that point yeah that was one of the things that i was like mm. but I, on the other hand we got dinosaurs we, <laughs> batman story, which we did nice. we, we did you ever seen that batman uh, it was one of the ones where they released and it was a fucking convoluted way to get it, it was at walmart then it wasn't that one batman storyline where it's supposed to be like the old school batman like yeah, it was uh, Brian one. Michael Bendis, wasn't it? Yeah, when Batman he went to Dinosaur Batman Island. <laughs> right? Yeah. Batman Universe? Yeah, I think it was Batman Universe. It was the one he teamed up with Green Lantern. and. <laughs> yeah, I have that. You do? <laughs> yeah, that's such a delightful little comic. I mean, yeah. it's just Batman being Batman, not being traumatized, dark and broody. Like, I still enjoy, like, good stories and fun stories. Like, Doomsday Patrol... Or Doom, Doomsday Patrol, Doom Patrol by uh, Grant Morrison. Like, that was just an exercise in uh, abstract and surreal storytelling. In fact, it's almost like anti-storytelling. Like, you mm. can find the meanings within the stories, but it's like the point of 
each issue is just to throw as much on every page as possible so that you can't find what the story actually is. I mean, like Cliff Steele, Robot Man, like the thing he says most often is just, oh my God, or what's what happening? Yeah. <laughs> Anything like that, yeah. Yeah, no. oh, fucking love Robot Man. I like Doom Patrol. It doesn't get enough credit as it fucking should. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, I feel like I'm spending all this time talking about other comics. And, like, when you had Babasu oh. on, you guys were actually having, like, conversations about what we're talking, like, what we should be talking about. But, Ethan, if you ever listen to this show, we talk about random shit all the time. I have guests that are that HBO said I got to talk about their show. And then I end up talking 10 minutes about their fucking show. <laughs> we just talk yeah. about random shit for like an hour. Well, one of them was Doom Patrol, so here we are. Oh. Yeah, I think it was yeah, it was uh, Abigail, the girl who played Dorothy, uh, in season um, two and a little in a little bit of season three. HBO reached out when season two was coming out, and they said, "Hey, can you bring her on the show?" I said, "Fuck yeah, <laughs> that's no problem." Then we did that, and we talked about like theater because we were both theater kids, so we talked about theater shit for a while, and then also then we talked a little bit, we talked a lot about Brendan Fraser. I was going to say, I'm a Brandon Fraser fan, boy. When are you going to get him on the show? Oh, God. I'll come out and interview him with you. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Uh, This is Ethan. He is my right-hand man. Uh, Really? The guy from Primitive War? Yep. yep. Just just tell me about the mummy. Just tell me about the mummy. That's all we're here for. (laughs) You know what? And you know what, man? You keep doing you because you are are a god, Brandon Fraser, and you know it. (laughs) I hope he's listening right now. I hope he knows that he... Uh, inspired an entire generation of men to be, you know, better men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh, you gotta everybody, everybody wants to be O'Connell from The Mummy. That's true. That's it. Oh, that's I would take. True. I would take O'Connell over Indiana Jones to be leading me on an expedition any day. Would you really? I mean, at least O'Connell would be fun to hang out with. Like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> he gets mad at somebody, he just throws a chair at them. Like Indiana Jones, he's gonna fucking whip you in the eye. And then you gotta Make deal with Nazis most of the time if you're with Indy. That is also the problem. Yeah, he's uh, got a problem with that. Yeah, they just seem to pop up all the fucking time. And then it's Soviets after a while, and then it's it's a whole thing and a half. Yeah, and then it's aliens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, that we one, yeah. talk about that one. And no. Shia LaBeouf, that's the worst part. You oh. have to end up meeting Shia LaBeouf at one point. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you, no, you don't, because then at that time period, you just you just go and just deal with the mummy shit. You just switch off. When you know you're about to meet Shia, you're like, all right, time to, time to switch over. <laughs> Did uh. you hear the news about uh, Frank Marshall and Jurassic World? No. Oh, there, is it that the no new live action TV shows? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I hate, I hate that every time I do an interview, I end up shitting all over the Jurassic series. Like, not Jurassic <laughs> Park, because those films are classic pedigree masterpieces, but like Jurassic World, uh, as far as it branching out into only an animated show for kids and not doing any live action anything, like that. Who can be surprised by that? Like, who was expecting a live-action Jurassic World show? Me. <laughs> like, I was hoping, because they were working on it when the first one came out. They were working on production, but then and they were really secret about it, but then they just canceled it, and they said no. And so I've always held out hope for that, <laughs> to be honest with you. I really yeah. have. I feel like, you know, 
I'm in a position that I'm sure a lot of like Jurassic World fans are in now where it's like you get older, they're not making movies anymore, they're not making TV shows. I mean, they have the kids show Camp Cretaceous, but like they're not doing anything for adults. They're just doing things for children and for children that grew into adults and have not let go of that part of their childhood. Like Yeah. I I saw Jurassic World three times in theaters because I didn't grow up from that child that loved dinosaurs as a kid. But, like, there's a point where it's, like, we're getting to the end of this trilogy, and, like, what is there now? What's there left? Like, a kid's show on Cartoon Network or something, or Netflix? Like, I feel like the Pied Piper, and every time I'm promoting Primitive War on the internet, I'm just, like, playing the flute, like, come along, come along, come see <laughs> come see stories about people see stories about war and horrors of reality but then we have dinosaurs yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know what so it works i don't know yeah i, I mean you know, i think it's why primitive war works and you gotta admit too like it is different and maybe that's why people are tuning more in the primitive war and what tuning into you ethan is because people are like a, gr- a lot of people agree with you at the moment so it's a lot i mean yeah it's maybe you could say pied piper a little bit but I would say that maybe it's it's a relief in a sense. I mean, do I like Camp Cretaceous? Yes. Do I like the recent shit they've done with robot dinosaurs? No. Do, do I think it? Uh, yeah, don't ask. Um, it's like Kingdom of Crystal Skull. We're not going to ask about it. We're not going to talk about it. Um, yeah. Do I think it is a show mostly for kids, but then they do some stuff for adults in there? Yeah. Is that why I watch it? Yeah. If there's like, like if I watch the, the Lego ones, fuck no. I have not. <laughs> no. I, but you know, am I going to say that i'm i'm it's, i'm holding out hope i have a lot of hope for this new one coming out because they're reading back people and shit like that and there's that um do i think that i have i have hope is it blind hope i hope not but that we're gonna see something down the pipeline that's gonna be for the adult fans too that's been lifelong fans that have kept the fucking franchise going uh, before kids started getting into it and i vote there's more adults that are in the jurassic world slash park then there is kids by a long shot do i hope that we're gonna have that i'll go on record and say that shit right now but do i hope that we're gonna get some more shit done in there and do i think we're going to yeah do i have any idea what it's gonna be fuck no but not hearing it's not gonna be any live action show does kind of suck but you and i both know this as creatives you come out and say something and then something totally different can happen or an idea can come through the pipeline or some shit like that, and they can totally change the plan. So I think I, they say that there's no plan. I think someone will come with them at an idea and they're going to change it. Or the new movie's going to do so fucking well and they're going to be like, we need more live action shit. Let's do a show based on this character. You know where we can put it? HBO Max. Or you know where we can put it? Paramount Plus or something like that or whatever the fuck Universal wants to do. I just have no idea where Universal's going to get their money from after. Uh that film comes out oh god that's what i'm saying they're gonna gonna spin around and be like hey netflix do you want to do a live action remake of the uh novel series but do it like from adults you know i think everybody would sign off that oh yeah are you shitting me yeah i'd i'd take i'd I all right. I I do watch people's animation. I don't know if you've ever done it before. Have you ever seen the animation videos on YouTube where people take the the novel and they actually animate it? No, that sounds great though. Oh, some of them are kind of cartoony, but some of there's a black and white one that shows the T Rex attack 
And then there is one for because uh, the narration. I forget the name of the guy who narrated the first Jurassic Park novel. Um, I forget his name, but it's him. It's the narration, the first audio book of the of the first Jurassic Park. They just put animation on it, and it's the second oh, one is. Get, huh? They didn't get the guy that voiced Mr. DNA to do it before he died. Oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been, been fucking amazing. No, it's uh, it's also they do Nedry's death. So you see the actual Nedry's death from the books, and then the uh, actual T Rex attack on the, on the on the road, like it's spot on with that. And it's like the Dilophosaurus was bigger, you know, it being yellow and shit. Like people do that sort of thing, and then there's other scenes from the book that never made it into the movie that people animate. And I think some have done it for Lost World, but yeah, go dive into YouTube hole after this, man, because it, it they're <laughs> fucking great. The black and white ones I think you'd like a lot because they're very. Very serious, but then some of them are kind of cartoony, and some of also other ones are serious too. Mm. They're not bad. They're not bad. But I don't know. I think I think it's probably why like a lot of people have been tuning into the Primitive War, though, Ethan. I really do. Is because it's it's a break. It's something different. And I mean, we're all adult fans, really. I mean, my girlfriend, she just got done listening. I don't think I ever told you this. Um, yeah, she she was finally got done listening to the audio one because we were listening to it whenever we drive in the car. She finally got done listening to the audio book, and she had to take breaks in between chapters. <laughs> she's like, I can't. I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, fuck April Sukis. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's, that's valid. <laughs> yeah, really, really quick for anybody listening that's wondering where the uh, audiobook adaptations of Primitive War 2 and Dispatches are. It'll happen. However... It is very difficult to get somebody that can do the accents of an Angolan Ovenbundu man, Portuguese Angolan, Israeli, uh, Vietnamese, British, <laughs> Cuban, so on and so forth. Like there is a very wide cast in Primitive War too, so it's very difficult to find somebody that can cover all of those accents convincingly. So that seems like hell. As a voice actor, that yeah. seems like hell. Yeah, it would be easier just getting, like, an entire cast of people to do it and make it a big audio production, but, like, that's not where my attention is right now, like... That is also a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like, a lot of money. Yeah, like, I can only do so much at a time, and I still like having my free time to read comics and read books and, yeah. you know, exercise and do stuff, so, like, anything that people are asking me for primitive war related like it'll come just patience is key <laughs> i had to wait a decade before i could publish primitive war <laughs> so like people can wait like a couple years or less you know well yeah that's the thing about it and i think i'm oh i do you remember when what was it was a two that came out and then everybody's like where's the third one where's the third one if i remember right like i remember seeing like you you put a thing out there saying hey it took forever to make the first one. It took forever to make the second one. And the third one is a big, inclusive story. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything. But, like, it's a big, big story. We, we got It's going to take some time to write. And I think that, should, that, that quieted every fan out there because they were like, oh, that's true. Because, listen, you take yeah. as long as you need for that third book, man. Because that's yeah, but, a lot of shit. Yeah, but in the meantime, like, we have the comic being worked on. Mm -hmm. And, like... And you've been giving teases about other shit, too. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but you've been giving teases about other shit, too. I want to let fans know about that. You've been giving teases about merchandise? A fucking a movie? Yeah. 
Yeah, I sold the film rights to Primitive War to a director in Australia whose name I am not going to mention because I don't know if I'm supposed to be keeping it a secret now or not. But he currently has the film rights. He's doing his thing to get that project going. But, like, the comic is completely unrelated from the movie. We're not getting funding from the movie for the comic. Mm. The comic isn't the inspiration for the movie. It's, like two entirely different projects like people that know that i sold the film rights they're like are you gonna make sure this happens are you gonna make sure this happens you're gonna make sure this looks like this and that this happens and that this character is like this and the thing is i signed away the rights to that (laughs) like yeah you sell film rights you lose the right to alter or control any alterations of the story that goes with everything. I think people never remember that because that goes with anybody who does that shit. Yeah, and like if Babasu and I had successfully pitched our comic to a publisher and they picked up our comic, if it wasn't for like image or something, then we wouldn't have any say over what we're making. They would be telling us like, no, you can't do that. You need to change this to that. So at least with like us doing this on Indiegogo, we have the rights to do whatever we want with the comic, we can go all out and make the masterpiece we want. Yeah. But like, as far as the movie goes, like that's all on the director. Like he's work, he's got the script working on right now. He's working on funding and all this other stuff that I can't get into, but that's his baby. Like my baby is primitive war. Mm -hmm. Abisu and I, we have the comic and then the film, that's the director's baby. So like if people hate it, it's not my fault if yeah people it, if people love it it's also not my fault because it's, I didn't yeah yeah that's it like it i mean but this is honestly like people may never i think people forget they think it's all the creators in charge of everything but that's not the case when it comes to film and television shit it's not the case like it is separate you got the comic you got the books right they got the movie that's a totally different thing that's how it works with the adaptations of shit but yeah. i don't think people often remember that at all I mean, you got you got your babies, and you got all, you you got a family right now, Ethan. <laughs> you know, in the sense, I'll say, because you got like the comic, you got this batch is two, you got the third book, you got like you got a lot of shit on, on the plate with that. I mean, I all I'll say about the movie too is if you could put in a good word for a guy who was willing to travel anywhere to, <laughs> I will get killed. I do not give a shit. Hey, if anybody's gonna get killed by a dinosaur, it's gonna be me. All right. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> this is like, Oh, that'd be amazing. Oh, my God. You know, you got it. Oh, come on. You you, listen, you're a fit guy. You could play like the the beret in the beginning. Yeah. See, like we're talking about (laughs) me flying out to Australia to like at least see the film get made. Like I can't tell people what to do or how things should be, but like at least I could watch and maybe something. But like I don't even know if I'll be able to do that because like Australia has got these super intense like vaccine mandates going on and. I never got vaccinated. <laughs> like, I've been vaccinated for everything else. Like, when I was in the military, you have to get vaccinated for, like, every disease plus one. But, like, I wasn't interested in an mRNA vaccine, so I just didn't get it. And it hasn't affected my life up to this point, except for the fact that I may not be able to go to Australia anytime soon. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Well, that was, that was a whole. But you never know what could happen. You never know. Things are changing. Um. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I think things are changing for the better. It's just a matter of time. And, you know, 
everybody has seen the dark knight everybody knows the quote well it's always darkest before the dawn and it's like it's true unfortunately that's true like we may see you know nuclear bombs in the air before we reach that dawn but like that dawn's going to come either way and Never, yeah. all that matters is surviving to see that dawn because it'll come it always does is very true. It's just it's, it's a long night. It, we're I, I tell people we're in the Alaskan night right now, where it lasts a couple months, where you don't see the Ooh. sun. <laughs> that reminds me. Okay. Thirty days of night. Thirty yeah. days of night. You know the comic? Yeah. We got the uh, co-creator, the artist, to read the first issue of the comic, and he loved it. Oh shit! That is cool. Yeah, we're working oh. on uh, getting his quote to put. And like promotional material and whatnot, but you said the art's beautiful and it's a beautiful little war story. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, it's that funny. Cool. Like all all the people that are saying like it's beautiful, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. It's like yeah, the illustrations by Babasu and the colors by Maja, like they're amazing. But like what they're what is beautiful in it is horrifying, and some of it is very graphic and brutal. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you know, I've had a question about that for seeing some of the things come to life, by the way, for you. And it is you're the creator, obviously. So I wondered because we all got our as creators. I got my favorite characters that I've created before. What has been one that you think is your favorite to see come to life with being from the book, coming from the book to the comic? Which comic character do you think so far has been your favorite? And then on top of that, which dinosaur prehistoric creature has been your favorite to see to come to life from the book, too? So, definitely for the characters, it'd be Xavier Wise or yes. or perhaps Eli Taylor. Because Eli, you know, he's a Kentuckian like me. So, like, it's kind of that hometown guy root for him, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, Xavier, you know, he's a more visually interesting character than anybody else, except for maybe Ryan, because we haven't shown Ryan without his mask yet. And that yeah. would be definitely visually enthralling for the worst reasons. <laughs> I mean, you got a glimpse of it a little bit that's been put out there on social media. You got a glimpse of the underneath the eyes, around the eye sort of thing in the eye socket, but nothing. Yeah, you're yeah. right. But with Xavier, like, you know, he's got the long hair, he's got the beard, he's got the necklace and the machete so he's yeah. just naturally a cool character to look at it's true but, i mean he's one i wish i could cosplay as but i can never grow that fucking beard <laughs> there's, there's no way me. yeah you too huh? yeah i've mastered the mustache but i can't pull off a beard to save my life yeah yeah i oh I, I gotta put it out there eli was one of my girlfriend's uh characters she liked a lot too yeah it's funny a lot of people they start off like not liking eli at all because you know he's He's that kind of like casually racist, humorous kind of person where like he'll make jokes about whatever he yeah. thinks is funny, regardless of how other people feel about it. He just wants to goof off and like distract himself from all the shit that's going on. He wants to have the levity, but by the end of the story, you know, he's come around in a whole different way. And the fact that he's the protagonist of Primitive War 3 with Leon like people are gonna get to see the full extent of his character arc across the trilogy, which is cool. And, and Andre. Yeah, yeah, Andre's still around. I mean, and also there is uh, artwork of Andre, but Babasu and I haven't shared it yet. 
<laughs> Damn it. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. The uh, main visual inspiration for Andre Wynn is uh, Johnny Depp in Secret Window. Ooh. Ooh, I like yeah. that. That's a deep cut, too. Yeah, just imagine that, but with a year of dysentery, morphine, and uh, <laughs> starvation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see yeah. that. There, uh, he's my favorite in two in dispatches two, or dispatches not two, uh, dispatches, and then also primitive war two. I liked him a lot on that one. I did. Um, I I still can't go over Xavier in that two second one. Uh, <laughs> but um, what is it? The what would be your favorite uh prehistoric creature then? Do you think? Probably the uh, Quetzalcoatlus that Bavisu's working on. He's Got a special surprise to share with everybody that he's working on right now regarding that species. But so you and him both with the quets, huh? Well, I think he said that was the most difficult for him. Oh, that's true, yeah. Because it's such a weird-looking animal. It's so hard to, like, get the proportions right. But, you know, Babasu has been studying very intensely uh, paleontology and paleobiology, especially for the physiology of these animals. He's, uh, you know, if you look at his first illustrations for Primitive War before we even announced the comic, like all the way back in like maybe 2018 or late 2017, whenever we first started talking, mm-hmm. like he's got raptors that have, you know, I think it's called, it's not pronated wrists, but like where the wrists are like facing the wrong way, like a Jurassic Park raptor. Yeah, feathers yeah. don't the feathers don't go all the way along the arm, but you know he takes every bit of criticism and advice that he's given by anybody, anybody that comments something like he reads it and he notices it and he takes note of it. So like there are things where it's like somebody will critique something and we'll be like, yeah, it's not that important. Like, eh, lips on a theropod, whatever. We're not worried about it. <laughs> but like. Yeah. Other things, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a really good point. Like, this this animal shed feathers going out this far. Like, oh, this animal proportionally should be, like, this size compared to this person, so on and so forth. Which is cool, like, by the way, which is very nice as, as paleo fans. We love that. Yeah. So, like, the thing I'm most excited to see in the comics is probably the Quetzalcoatlus <laughs> and seeing, like, the full reality of that horror with uh that one character's very vivid death that we're yeah. not able to explore in full detail oh i'm excited for that with the quets and i'm excited to see the qu- the, the couple of quets take on the, the rangers <laughs> as the base Wait. i'm excited huh and this is another thing too what? for people to keep in mind like this isn't just going to be like an adaptation of the first novel like this would be an ongoing series. The only thing I can compare it to would probably be Walking Dead. I've never read the comic. I've never watched the show. I don't care about zombies at all. They're the mm-hmm. most boring thing in the world to me. But when I go to a comic book store, I know that there's going to be an entire shelf, like an entire row of shelves that are going to be dedicated to just The Walking Dead because it went on like as long as Invincible did. You know, hundreds yeah. of years. Yeah. I mean, hell, uh, John Constantine, Hellblazer, like, that was 300 issues of one run where it was just going through his life over the course of, like, 30 years, maybe. Something like that, yeah. I mean, but you know what, though? That's what I, you're, you, I never thought about it that way. 
you are absolutely right because there's not that much time to jump in between the books. Primitive War yeah. dispatches two. Like you can put one dispatch and then two together, and it will seem like a fucking river. It will flow so well. Yeah, and that's something I'm really excited for is to put out dispatches too. And I'm sure there's plenty of fans that hate me right now for not putting it out sooner. But like, Dispatches 2 is one of the most complex books I've ever written. It's more complex than anything I've ever written, except for maybe Arachnonostic. But that's because Arachnonostic was an exercise in numerological uh, magic, you know? But like, with Dispatches 2, like, you're going across a span of four years where Stalker Force is tracking down Sheepatotec, the Utah Raptor, all the way from Vietnam to Angola, you know, Africa. And so you're following along for four years as this dinosaur is going across the world and Stalker Force is following along. And you also get the perspectives of random everyday people that are along Sheepatotec's trajectory, where what happens when a man uh, in Balakistan encounters a Utah raptor? What happens when uh, an Iranian member of Savak encounters a Utah raptor? What happens when somebody escaping the Gongxi massacre in China, fleeing from the Chinese Communist Party, what happens when they encounter a Utah raptor? And I know I'm mentioning Utah Raptors a lot, but that's because that's the bread and butter of the series, and that's realistically what would get the furthest out of Vietnam. Yeah, other than the Quets flying out of there. Yeah. Like yeah, it's... But, but like, when I was first working on Dispatches 2, the primary focus was on the spread of DM-10, the disease that Shipatotec was carrying. That was before coronavirus broke out. Yeah. And so the idea of publishing a book about the spread of a disease, you know, brought about by an animal in Southeast Asia through experimentation of bioweapons and research into bioweapons. Like, I don't want to write that book anymore because that's our reality. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, fuck, I get to live it. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Yeah, so the entire focus has shifted to just the journey of the characters and the journey of the animals. And more specifically, like, how these things play into the cultures and myths and religions of all of these places along the way. Like, it's not just about, like, dinosaurs. It's about, like, mystical, you know, birds and serpents and how that affected the religious and mythical worldviews of people all across the earth. Like as this it book would. is this book, as it is, is long enough to be its own novel. And I have to try to condense it down as much as possible so it can still sit side by side with Dispatches One on a shelf. Oh God, yeah, because that is Dispatches One is uh, when I showed my girlfriend that, I'm like, and here's Dispatches One, the one point five, and she's like, Why is it so much smaller? I'm like, Well, I you know, it's it's still it may seem like it, but it's still really tightly packed in there. Let me tell you, that's that's a beautiful thing of writing right there, and a achievement as a writer, Ethan, actually giving it because to be able to go from Primitive War one and then a shorter one like Dispatches, I don't know how the hell you're gonna do it at two. Well, that's the thing. I've been doing it with two, but two is uh, 
big enough to be two to make two three you know oh shit <laughs> like, <laughs> oh shit like I could, I could easily just publish dispatches two and just call it primitive war two and then republish primitive war two and call it primitive war three but that's not the vision the vision is primitive war one dispatches one dispatches two primitive war two dispatches yeah. three dispatches four primitive war three so like all of those shelves that are dedicated to The Walking Dead and all 20 plus volumes of it, the shelves that are dedicated to all 30 volumes of Hellblazer, like that's what Babasu and I are going for with this comic. Like people are thinking that we're doing a graphic novel adaptation of the first novel, but we can't do that. To do it, it would be like 30 to 40 issues, and that would be, you know, an omnibus of hundreds of pages. Like, Way more than just a novel. Yeah. So we're trying Which, to do this as an ongoing series. We're trying to do something that can basically continue for the next decade or more. And so that's why we want people's support for this, because this is going to be one of the biggest undertakings of my life <laughs> in Babasu's as well. Like, we're not just trying to create, like, a graphic novel adaptation of Primitive War One. We're trying to do an ongoing series adaptation of a novel series that encompasses multiple books and literally decades of time. Yeah, which is so much, I mean, a lot of time for your guys, a lot of time, it's it's a beautiful thing because I've seen so much love come out for it too, for this comic. I mean, so much love for the books before the comic even was out. Well, Well, not out yet, but for the Indiegogo, and so much love for any news that came out, so much love for all of it. And I think there's like, there is a huge, huge group behind, behind you guys on this for the Indiegogo and making this comic the reality that you guys are hoping for with it. There really is like the amount of people who got the early access to that or just have been going stellar about it. And then the amount of people I've seen on social media that are just so fucking excited to read it too. And to give you guys, to give the support, to give whatever you need and whatnot too, which... I know I don't we probably don't want to talk too much about rewards and we are hitting the hour mark too, but like because maybe we want to save the surprises for some of the rewards. But there is a lot of people that are just gonna be like, okay, what can I do to help? Like what what can we do? What can I drop? Well, how can I help? What do I need to post? Everything like that, like myself, who are just like, we fucking love you guys. We we love you and Bobby Sue's work. We love the work you put put in, Ethan. I mean, you're a great guy too. So that's the thing about it. Like, you know, the creator's amazing. The books and the novels are amazing, and uh, the comics are going to be fucking great. Appreciate hearing that. <laughs> of course, I mean, and you know, I, I mean, you know me for a while. You know, I'm not bullshit. Like it's, it's true. Like I think it's because we all know how great your work is, and to be able to see it more visually, I think. Yeah, we've mentioned the movie shit before, well, not whatever, but like comic wise, though, like that's something I think bonds with people more than a movie or a TV show. And I'm going to say that because you can get, you can, you know, you got to get in a certain way. You got to have the TV on and all that shit like that too. You can plug in headphones. Like I do. I plug in headphones to the fucking garden of modern day dinosaurs and chickens around who like to attack me for French, my French toast. But I, you know, I go outside and read comics, you know, I, I, everybody has their comfort thing with it because comics you can dive into. You feel one with the characters. You can have things visualized in front of you. You can go back and look at it and be like, oh my God, look at this. And you can just reread it all the time. And sometimes yeah. it's short and sweet. But sometimes it's Another really thing long. too is the reader controls the pacing. Like, yes, yes. 
you can soak in every panel for as long as you want. Like when we were talking about Greg Capullo earlier, like the first few times I read uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's Batman series, like I probably spent maybe a minute on each panel just staring. <laughs> That's how I so, feel with the spawn art. I, I look at Violator. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you read the first issue of the comics. So like, you can see how the pacing can be fast or it can be slowed down. Like you can take the time to, you know, soak in every panel of Babasu's artwork. You can look at every stick and log and rock and leaf that he painstakingly inked on the page, or you can just follow along with the narration and go with the flow of the action that's happening. But yeah, I mean, I said it before, I'll say it again. What me and Babasu are trying to do is, you know, what Primitive War is for a significant portion of the paleo community where it's something new and refreshing for them and something meaningful for them. We're trying to do the same thing for the greater comic book community as a whole because, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like I said earlier, like I go to comic shops all the time. I see what's on the shelves and I'm not really interested. It's not really the kind of stories that I'm interested in. I want depth. I want things that transcend identity. I want things that all of humanity can like connect to in some way. And primitive war, like Bamsu and I are trying to tell a story that all people can connect to. All people yeah. can relate to violence. All people can relate to trauma. Yeah. All people can, you know, take in these things and find empathy or find some meaning or understanding to it. We're trying to give the comic community something that we think they've been missing out on for a while. And that's the hardest part is just breaking into the comic community because it's a really tight community and it's really hard to, you know, break ground in it. It's true. It's a very venomous and competitive and, crabs in the bucket mentality community <laughs> and that's the unfortunate truth i mean you obviously have people that are trying to like get free of the bounds of the industry and babasu and i are trying to get on the ground floor of that we're trying to be part of this big push in indie comics we're trying to basically do for comics what todd mcfarland did with spawn when he started image <laughs> we're trying to make yeah something that will be a testament to time that will be remembered beyond our lives. And honestly, I think if we have the support from the community we already have, and if we get the support from the comic community, then I think we can, I think we can make something that will be remembered 50 years from now, a hundred years from now. I'd, I'd, I'd put money down on that. I'd put some hard money on it. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. That's the thing is like, you know, it, I, and I hate saying it like, you know, sometimes like you got to start, I'll say quote unquote small because primitive war has never been small. It has always been large in groups and whatnot too. And I think now you get to expand those groups. Now you get to expand everything about it. So it, it, you got to think, you know, walking, like we'll talk about it. Walking dead started somewhere, you know, it started with some like this groups of people who are like, Oh, that might work. I'm like, yeah, we got to write about zombies. We're going to write about something different. You know, we don't want to write about the, the normal shit going on. You know, there's there's plenty of those books. Um, 
there is that want to be different that want to change things put a new perspective on things i'm gonna i mentioned it earlier but i think you should check it out um is it dmz that do you know about that book from vertigo oh yeah i'm familiar with it you ever read it no <laughs> uh i'd give it a shot because i think you might see some some cool things i think you might enjoy it it's um it's isn't different. it civil war in the united states or something yeah yes but then no because yeah, that's happening. But then, oh, like Manhattan's just a place where people got fucking stuck, man, and they're stuck in this war zone, and they're just like, we don't give a shit. We're just trying to survive. Like you know, we're we got kids here. We're we're trying to make, like there's green berets who became fucking planters because they said, fuck this. I'm not shooting Americans. We're gonna take care of Central Park. Fuck the government. And then you got people who are like, yeah, USA. And we got people who are like, down with the USA. And, like it's just about the people living in it. And they could report a dude who's like, oh, I'm here to report. And you guys are savages. They're like, dude, we're vegans, most of us, because we can't get meat. You think we're going to eat rats? Fuck no. We're, we're all gardeners in the city. But like, we're yeah. gonna, and so they're just surviving in the chaos and the rubble in it and just trying to survive in a shitty world. And they don't really uh, – 90 percent of them don't give a damn about the, the politics of that civil war going on. They don't really care. And is it a civil war in a sense where just people just stole a bunch of shit and tried to rise up? And then the U.S. government got scared. Eh, really, it's that. It's that. So, so what it sounds thing. like. So what it sounds like to me is that this is a tome, documenting ten years from now. Yeah. Transmetropolitan, and then Transmetropolitan is a tome from a century after that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It could be. <laughs> you are onto something. Oh yeah, you know, shit! Comics take place in the same universe. <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. That all. I would. I mean, right. you're probably going to see a trailer for the the comic coming out soon because that fucking. That's why I'm saying check it out now because those book prices are going to go up for the trade paperback since it's been out of print. But it lasted like ten years. The book yeah. did. It lasted a long fucking time. But now they're making a like HBO special for Rosario Dawson as one of the characters. Yeah, I just want to say something really quick. If DC is listening, I will write a Batman Hellblazer crossover, and I will do it right. Oh, will... <laughs> oh God, that'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would. Oh, and there's people at DC who do listen. They just never give me a fucking job. But it's give me a job. He's a lot more professional than I am. Jesus hell. Um, <laughs> God, I'm looking at the time now. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ethan, my good man. Um, where can people? Let's let's get all the promotion stuff done too, since we've been all talking about it and such. We mentioned Indiegogo. Uh, where people can follow uh, so, Primitive War on social media and shit like that. Let's go ahead and get into that because I don't want to take too much more of your time. Yeah, so anybody that wants to support the series, you can go to Indiegogo. You can sign up for our pre-launch. Anybody that does is going to get an exclusive gift if they back the campaign when it launches. But also you'll be you know, notified of when the launch starts. And we're looking at doing early access as well so that people that sign up with their emails can you know, get their orders in before anybody else, before you know, we officially launch. And also we have a Twitter account now. It's very small. We have our Facebook. We have our Instagram. All those have modest followings. We have a YouTube channel now where we have our trailers for the comic and also chapters from the audiobook. And I don't have any social media, anything, anywhere for anybody. <laughs> All I am isolated from everybody. I I have a Facebook account for just sharing primitive war stuff, 
and that's it. I nobody will find me. When I retire, you are my goal. <laughs> it's to become that. When I when I quote unquote retire, aka just work with animals full time anymore. And I'm in my older age. Uh, yeah, that's the goal. Oh, and also Babasu has an Instagram account that everybody can follow, and he has a Facebook everybody can add him on, and he has a Twitter account everybody can add him on too. But both Babasu and I, like, we're not really getting into conversations on Twitter. Like, we're just using it for sharing artwork, and that's it. Like, both Babasu and I, we're 100%, like, we're not going to talk about modern politics. We're not going to tell people what to think or what to feel. Mm-hmm. We're just going to share primitive war with them, and that's it. Good shit. It's not bad, though. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Ethan, man. This has been a blast. And I'll say it again on record. Your care package will be coming soon. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> it will be coming. I'll for... teeth around my neck. <laughs> oh, dude, there's that. Let me know what you think of the jerky. Because uh, I actually, yes, I care for crocodilians, but there's people who do sell us cro- alligator jerky and whatnot. And it is delicious. Just like hey, I work it. Huh? I love I love chickens, but I also love eating chicken. Exactly. I have four chickens. I take care of chickens at the animal hospital I work at, too. I had a crispy chicken sandwich right after doing working on one at McDonald's. So here we are. See, that's the core primitive war. It's the gray morality that supersedes violence. Exactly. (laughs) That's amazing. God damn it. Oh, shit. All right, Ethan. Well, I'll let you go, my man. Thank you again for coming on the show. And of course, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, folks, make sure you guys pre sign up because this is coming out uh, tomorrow as of our, this, me and Ethan recording this. So make sure you guys sign up for extra uh, Tuesday. Make sure you guys sign up for this. Pre sign up right now. Um, do you guys have a drop date for the real Indiegogo, Ethan? Before yes, the, yeah, the Indiegogo launches on March 29th. Okay. It's a little ways away, but we have a lot that we're building up in the meantime. The uh, the perks that we're going to be offering with this campaign, I think people are going to fall in love with it because they've seen how in-depth I've been with the uh, lore and world-building of Primitive War, like with the bestiary and whatnot. So let me just say, the uh, perks that we're going to offer... The fans of the series, the people that have been on board for Primitive War from the first time they found it, they're going to have their jaws drop when they see what we have coming out. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. I am. Oh, I'm excited, man. I'm. Oh, I don't care what it takes. If I could be in the Primitive War comic series, I have that art print still fucking handed. I told Babasu too. I have that art print print still. And he posted it on the Twitter page the other day. It's still hanging up in my fucking room at the moment. And it's I see it every damn day, and it's a beautiful thing. And if oh, if there's a chance. If there is a chance, I will try to. Want to something funny? What? Bavisu actually snuck me into the first issue twice. Where? No. You just you gotta... have to look. I'm oh, there. Shit! I never. Oh God. Okay. Well, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> I'll I'll just tell you this much. I'm in the scene with Bishop. Like I'm in Ooh. that part of the comic. Okay, all right, that's helpful, that's helpful, that's helpful. All right, all righty, Ethan, I'm going to let you go because you and I could talk forever. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, clearly done because we talked 20 fucking minutes before we started the show. <laughs> yeah. um, all righty, Ethan, I love you, man. I'll, t- I'll talk to you later, all right? All right, God bless, man. Thanks for having me on. Peace. Peace.